Let's get into the word. Before I do that, I want to challenge you and then pray. How many of you have heard over 100 sermons? Over 1,000 sermons. How many of you remember 1% of those sermons? Right? Me neither. And we're like a bunch of middle school kids that we can perceive maybe two minutes at most of a lecture that's 30 minutes long. Right? Seth Malott's already zoning out. So my challenge is to you, walk away with one thing. One thing. That's what I want to pray for right now is that the Spirit puts one thing in your mind to consider, to pray about, to be convicted of. Pray with me. God, we are here because we want you. Like we were just saying, we want you in your presence. We know that you are real and that you bring the goodness to this world that we so desperately need. Spirit, you are within all of us, most of us. I ask that you would lead us each individually into one piece of truth. One thing that directly applies to our lives here and now. Amen. All right, so I got to be honest with you. We're going to be a little bit dark right off the bat. It's going to be real, but it's going to be on the darker side of things. But I promise you, we'll end with light. Okay? So universal truth in this life is that you will suffer. No matter who you are, how rich or healthy you may be, or how good you are to others, you will experience pain, loss, and heartache. Hardship is a foundation of this life in this world. Whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, all of humanity, of all of human history, has suffered. Now, I know there's a lot of good in this life, and I may be sounding cynical and a little depressed by the weather, but ignorance can only be bliss for so long. If you watch the evening news or flip through the newspaper, the pain in this life is obvious. If we took the rest of the time to share our stories of struggles, I guarantee we wouldn't get through every single one of them. Now, if you spend any time thinking about the nature of this life, I believe it's easy to say that suffering is undeniable. The religion or the philosophy of Buddhism is built on the reality of pain. In Buddhism, there's four noble truths that lay the framework for the entire system of belief. The truth of suffering, the origin of suffering, suffering can end, and how to end suffering. A majority of, if not all, deeper philosophies and religions exist to help people manage or try to escape the pain in this life. The Bible, really the God of the Bible, does the exact same thing. He acknowledges the reality of suffering, and then he gives those who are willing to listen an understanding of how to handle the unavoidable hardships of this world. Let's look at what I'm talking about. Matthew 7, 24. It'll be behind us. Probably the only one in here with a Bible. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who builds his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. 
So Jesus is ending his Sermon from the Mount. He just spent the last hour or two or three teaching his disciples, right, which is defined as those who decided to pull away from the crowd to listen and apply his teachings. He just got finished teaching them specific lessons on how to live their lives. Now, we just spent the last seven months looking closely at these teachings. It comes to an end tonight. To me, it seems like Jesus is ending with a summative statement, one in which he conceptually wraps up all the details that he's talked through. You will face suffering in this life. You have two options on how you're going to handle it, with me or without me. In verse 27, 20, chapter 7, 25, we see kind of an analogy. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. Now, the house is symbolic of a person's heart. I've been telling you guys this time and time again. The biblical definition of heart is our minds, our emotions, and our willpower. Now, each of these natural elements, I believe, represent the various hardships that life brings. Some are smaller, like rain. Problems at work with your boss or at home with your kids. Money might be running tight. A car needing fixed or your back happens to be hurting. The problems are not severe or life-changing, but they're definitely not ideal. But these same problems can continue to build. Your life at work gets harder and harder, or your relationships at home get more tentative and start to crumble. The raindrops can pile up and turn into a flood. Other problems you will face will come at you more like a hurricane. Diseases, accidents, loss of a job, poor choices by your kids, an affair, these types of experiences will immediately shake your life. Now, I've experienced enough of this life to confidently tell you that these things are unavoidable. Eventually, suffering will become a part of your world. Even if you are a follower of Jesus, one who completely trusts in your creator and completely follows every biblical law or instruction, pain in this world is unavoidable. Now, if you don't believe me, look at this passage. Who is talking? Jesus. And who is he talking to? His disciples. The Son of God is telling his disciples that the rains will come. The winds will blow. Hardship is a part of this life. He's not telling his disciples that they will only experience health and prosperity. But who or what his disciples depend on will change the way in which they handle the storm. So let's go deeper into his analogy. In verse 25 and 27, we see two different outcomes. One house does not fall, the other one does. Now, the two different houses are people's hearts, their lives, their thoughts, perspective on life, emotional state, overall demeanor, their emotions or goals for their lives. These things that make us us, these can handle the storm in drastically different ways. One crumbles the other one holds strong. Now, for a person's heart to crumble, that's something I guarantee that we all can relate to in some form. doesn't matter how old you are. It's the feeling when sadness and hopelessness are overwhelming, when the weight of loss is tangible. It's as if someone has strapped an unbearable weight to your shoulders. It's, when, it's also when frustration and anger are literally boiling within you when all you can see and feel is red. Now, these types and emotions have the ability to consume a person. 
to drastically affect their perspective of not just the struggle that they are experiencing and those involved, but every aspect of their life. No matter what good things come into their life, they view it through the lens of bitterness, regret, sorrow, loneliness, and their house crumbles. Now, according to Jesus, this happens because of the foundation on which they built their lives. Now, there are a lot of different things that could be considered foundations, but in general, I believe they fall into two categories, the temporary or the eternal. Under temporary falls everything tangible in this world, money, possessions, career, health, relationships, things like success and pleasure and people's approval are also fleeting. Now, everything I mentioned has mass appeal, and why wouldn't it? Who doesn't want more money in the things they can buy? Who doesn't want a strong career, a beautiful body, and intimate relationships with people that bring you joy? This is what our culture heavily promotes because of how good it is to have these things. We are also taught that being successful, loved by others, and experiencing experiencing pleasure will give you the life you want. And again, who doesn't want things going really well? having the respect and admiration of those around them, and to feel the warm and fuzzy feelings that pleasure-producing things can bring. But this is what I want you to hear. The unchanging reality of all these good things is that they are temporary, that they are fleeting here today and gone tomorrow. Money runs out. Careers slowly or abruptly end. Your healthy body will get old and fat. And people that, will, that you love will disappoint you or will die. Whether it's tomorrow or the last day of your life, everything temporary goes away. When you make these things the foundation on which you li- build your life, when those things come to their logical end, your world will come crashing down. Jesus describes the sem- temporary things as sand. And I love this analogy because it's so obvious. We've all played in sand. Walked on a beach, built castles in a sandbox. You know what sand feels like. And at times, it's loose and crumbly. It's obvious that it's unable to support anything of weight. Other times, however, like in Oregon Beach, it seems as hard as rock. But when the tide comes in and the rains fall, we are able to see the true nature of that sand. It is transitory or continually changing and therefore unable to be a foundation on which anything long-lasting is built. The same is true when we build our contentment and purpose on temporary things, as good as they may be. When we directly attach our deeper joy, fulfillment, and worth to things that will inevitably come to an end, our joy, fulfillment, and worth are directly affected but we have another choice where to put our hopes and dreams. It's the beauty of the Bible. It doesn't end in darkness. We have the choice of the eternal. We see this in verse 25. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock, on something that does not change. Instead of turning to the temporary and ever-changing things of life, We can depend on the one who made everything, the one who always has been and always will be. 
instead of directly attaching our joy, purpose, and fulfillment to the gifts, we have the choice to seek out the giver of those gifts. Now, Jesus describes himself and his teachings as a rock. A foundational principle of Jesus' teaching, he always says, is that they come from the Father. Therefore, I feel like Jesus is making a very obvious statement. Even though the suffering of this life will come and beat itself against you and your life, the God of the Bible will keep your heart. Remember, your mind, your emotions, your willpower, the deepest and realest parts of who you are from crumbling. Now, in some ways, this is illogical. How could a God that we cannot see protect us from our very visible struggles? Let me give you a counterpoint to consider. If the God of the Bible is real, that means that he is eternal and unchanging. Regardless of what we experience, he does not change. He is the most stable thing in the entire universe. Now, if we were created by him and not the byproduct of a random spark, then that means he has made us to experience the reality that he desires. Over and over, the Bible describes God as good. If he is eternally good, good in an unchanging way, then that means that he desires his creation, you, and you, and you, and me, to experience good and will directly intervene in our lives to give us lasting good in the midst of the onslaught of pain and loss. That is why Jesus so strongly encourages his disciples to turn to the almighty maker of heaven and earth as they seek deeper joy, fulfillment, and self-worth. Now, I understand there might be another objection rolling through your minds. Yes, all of this sounds really great, but is it more than just theoretical? Does he actually do what the Bible claims he does? Now, this is where the power of testimony, other people's stories, comes into play. Now, over the past six months, there are multiple people from Rimrock downtown whose hearts have remained firm in the midst of gale force winds. When every logical perception firmly believed that they were going to crumble, they ended up standing stronger than before. Because they turn to the God of the Bible. Instead of falling under the weight of despair due to the essential pieces of their lives disintegrating, they turned to their creator, the rock, and ended up more solid than they were before their lives got messy. As the pastor, I got a chance to hear these stories and to see this happen. And hopefully someday they will share these stories with you. But one that I can share with you is about a man named Steve Balsley. Steve Balsley was the head pastor here prior to Ben Green taking over. Almost three years ago, he died from cancer. He had that cancer for about 15 months. It was diagnosed, and then 15 months later, it took him to heaven. Now, during those 15 months, he remained so calm. He was a relaxed individual anyway. That's why we got along so well. But the way in which he handled his cancer showed a peace that made no sense. Now, a majority or a major reason why he was able to do this was due to a foundational belief that no one dies a day before God wants them to. He firmly believed that God is good and in control 
total control of the length of his life, which allowed him to rest in the understanding that whatever happens was a part of God's plan. Now, the beauty of technology, we get to hear him himself talk about this. Now, for a man to be able to say these things to his daughter, about his daughter and his other daughters and his wife, at the end of his life, speaks volumes of the truth that Jesus is telling his disciples. If you turn to the God of the Bible, the storms of this life have no ability to wreck your heart. Your mind, your emotions, your willpower... Instead, you stay firmly rooted in the unchanging and the unwavering. The one that created you and has the ability to sustain you through the worst scenarios. Brennan Manning once said, Suffering, failure, loneliness, sorrow, discouragement, and death will be a part of your journey. But the kingdom of God will conquer all these horrors. No evil can resist his grace forever. Now, I know all this sounds great, but Steve is far from commonplace, even for followers of Jesus. How do we, right now, you and I, get this level of unshakable peace in the midst of the unfiltered brokenness of this life? If nothing else, remember this. We need to move our focus beyond the temporary to the eternal. Move our focus from the temporary to the eternal. And we have to do this in a proactive and a reactive way. 
Now, going back to Jesus' analogy, in order to have a strong house, a a builder does not begin the moment he feels the rain and the wind. Rather, he builds it ahead of time so that way he can withstand the storm if and when it comes. The same is true for your heart. In order to face hardships, both insignificant and great, head-on, you have to be prepared. The strongest foundation on which a person can stand is the belief that Jesus is God himself, who came into this world to save it from its own foolishness. John three seventeen, not 16, 17. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The rock that Jesus is describing is the belief that mankind can do nothing to truly save themselves from the very real pain and loss that they experience. Rather, they are in need of a savior, someone far greater than themselves that desires to make them whole. When we cry out to the God of the Bible looking for the salvation, then we are given what we need to withstand the assaults on our heart, his spirit. I love the way Ezekiel puts it, Ezekiel 36. This is a prophecy. I will sprinkle clean water upon you. I will clean you from all your uncleanliness, from all your idols. I will cleanse you. That's forgiveness. I will, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statues and be careful to observe my ordinances. After we're fully cleansed or forgiven, God is then able to have direct influence on our hearts. Remember what our hearts are? Our minds, our emotions, our willpower, our drive in life. Our hearts, which used to be fully tied to the temporary things of this world, is now directly connected to our creator, to the eternal. With this type of access to the deepest parts of you, the creator of the universe can comfort you in the midst of sorrow and lead you away from the temporary and towards the permanent. This is the rock that Jesus is telling his disciples about. Without this, according to the Bible, the God of the Bible, you will never have any rock to build upon. You will only have sand. No matter how positive you try to be, how good you are to other people, your hope can only be set on things that fade. But off of this foundation, that Jesus can save you from all your brokenness, we have the ability to build strong walls with R50 insulation and a roof with hurricane-style trusses. Some of you understand those things. The sturdiness of your house, the stability of your hearts, comes from your relationship with the one who made you. If you've been saved and you zoned me out during that gospel part, hone in on what I'm about to say. The more that you get to know him, the more you allow him to guide and direct you. Out of that, the more firmly rooted your heart becomes in the unshakable. A major priority of Steve's was to read his Bible every morning. For a solid 30 years, he would start every day by reading and meditating on the universal truths found in the Bible. He once said, you'll never waste your time studying, praying, meditating on the word of God. You'll never regret it. Through intentional time of prayer and study, a person's heart is fortified. 
If we want to continue to shine like the noonday sun when the darkness of this world descends on us, then we must prepare our hearts by intentionally drawing closer to, the God, to God before that darkness comes. By doing this, we set our focus on what is truly good. That's how we need to prepare ourselves. But we also need to be reactive. When the time comes and we find ourselves surrounded by that unavoidable pain, then we must react in the same way that we prepared. Run to God. Take our heartache and our frustration to God himself. Openly declare to him the way that you feel and ask him to give you the strength to bear the weight of your circumstances. I love this verse, Hebrews 4.16. It makes it so obvious what we can do. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness. That's God, his throne. So that way we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have the ability to continually unload our sorrow and our anger on the creator of everything. Take a moment to fathom that. On the one who desires for us to experience his goodness. Now a specific strategy that I saw Steve use and that I use myself is to meditate on the unchanging truths of God truths that you've learned during your time praying and meditating and studying. Now, for Steve, it was that he will only die if it was God's plan. For me, over the last three years, it's that God has given me today. Therefore, there is purpose in today, even if my brain is not working the way it's supposed to be working. When you end up in the darkest valley, ask the Spirit to give you a verse or a phrase or a single word that will allow God's light to shine into your mind. I promise you, the Spirit will give it to you. That's who He is. John 16, we don't have it. Jesus says, He is a Spirit of truth that will lead you into all truth. That is the role of the Spirit, is to give you what you need when you need it. When a person continually, day after day, moment after moment, comes back to the things that they know are true, God can overwhelm you with peace and joy, even though logically you should be swallowed by despair. Now as I wrap up, I want to read you a quote and then challenge you. The quote's by Helen Keller, born blind and deaf. Although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of the overcoming of it. Although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of the overcoming of it. Now, here's my challenge. What are you doing now to fight against the pain that you are experiencing or the pain that you will one day experience? Who or what are you turning to, building your life on? The temporary or the eternal? The choice that you make right now will directly affect your days to come. Pray with me. Get quiet. Do whatever you need to do in this moment just to consider that question. God, I just I praise you for Steve, for the influence that he had on my life. I praise you for grabbing a hold of brokenness and bringing your wholeness into the midst of it.
Spirit, give us one thing to consider, one thing to meditate on. So that way we can experience more of you and more of what you have to offer. Amen.